Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weed Day Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona, and the world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweeds Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products, accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweeds Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. All right, welcome to Wednesday, Wednesday, everybody. I'm trying to trick the system yet once again because uh, hopefully you guys can hear the, the little ditty back there. Um, I'm trying not to get the feedback going on here, but it sounds like it is. So I have to turn the ditty down. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll have to see if Silver Sister and Grand Island are up and awake and what's going on out there, kids. Are you on the show? Good morning, Grand Island. Can you hear us now? That's usually the the question of the day. Is can you hear us now? But I think I think everybody else out there in in the Wednesday Wednesday world can hear us. Uh, we've got a chat going on here. Uh, if you want to get to us, you can go to tumbleweedshealthcenter.com and check it out. Um, you can blog or chat whatever whatever that is. You can chat with us if you go to uh, our radio section. You can actually get to the show. We have a very special guest on today, um, Josh Swider. Oh, Swider. I hope I'm saying that in some close form of your name. I'm sorry for botching that up. Dr. Josh, we can call you. Um, <clears throat> he's one of the co-founders and CEO of Infinite Chemical Analysis Labs, and he'll uh, be on the show momentarily. Um, so let's check it out make sure that we are still going strong here. All right. Thank you for tuning in to Weed Day Wednesday. It is for the best day, July 14th. Only 164 days till Christmas. Yeah, I had to do it. If she's listening, she's going to have a good laugh. And me and her dog would have said, 165 days till it's over. That's right. We were always on the side of, oh, man, really, again? <laughs> um Let's see, what else is going on? We want to give a shout-out to, uh, yeah, the Tumbleweed Health Center. Come on down to 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Uh, get certified. Um, get your medical cannabis card. Good morning, Grand Island. How's everybody doing out there? Uh, come get your medical cannabis card. And if you want to know what, you can get, what conditions qualify you, it's right there, but I'll let you know right now. Uh, go to the certification section. You can hit the button that looks like a brick of wood right there. It says book appointment. Uh, if you have PTSD, cancer, glaucoma, AIDS, chronic pain, severe nausea, uh, seizures including epilepsy, all sorts of seizures, 
um, all kinds. Uh, HIV, Hep C, ALS, Crohn's disease, agitation of Alzheimer's, which we know runs the gamut to from there's like 28 or 29 different types of Alzheimer's and dementia as part of that. Uh, cachexia, wasting syndrome, uh, severe and persistent muscle spasms, including multiple sclerosis. I think Parkinson's falls in there. Um, any kind of tremors. Uh, and you're also, you're eligible for a medical cannabis card if you suffer from a chronic or debilitating disease uh, or medical condition or just a treatment. If you're getting treated for something that's not on that list but it's causing something on that list, you can get certified for that condition. It's a great part of the um, Arizona Medical Marijuana Act. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. You can even email thctucson at gmail.com. There's a form on the website uh, at tumbleweedshealthcenter.com. You can check, fill it out and send it in, and and we'll get get that and get back to you. Um, Also want to give a shout-out to uh, Canna Health Online Digital Magazine. Canna Health is a digital magazine focused on knowledge, safe access, and advocacy with a monthly subscription readership. It's loaded with scientific and clinical articles from various healthcare professionals, profiles of cannabis clinics offering safe access to medicines, national and local organizations open to the public, and real-life patient success stories. It's free to subscribe, so don't miss another issue of Canna Health. That's right. You don't have to go anywhere but where you are to check that out. That's on our website, too, uh, radio section. Uh, we also want to give a shout-out to the Growers House at 3635 East 34th Street. Just go to com if you want to grow all sorts of good stuff from um, – well, we can grow our cannabis now in Arizona. Woo-hoo. We can all say we're growing weed. Woo, six plants. That's good. <laughs> you ever see those pictures online where it's like, yeah, I just needed one, and it's like taller than the house. <laughs> we love those plants. Thinking about that this morning. Um, hello, baby kitty. I have a little baby kitty staring at me through the door. She's like, what are you doing? This cat's adopted me now. I don't know if it's because of the, the weed that comes filling out or the fact that I keep feeding her every day. <laughs> kind of demanding. You want to come in? She's like, no, I'm just going to hang out here. It's probably the air conditioning. Um, it is pretty hot today, though. We have, we've got some thunderstorms. I went out for a run and got sprinkled on this morning, so that was really fun. Yeah, it's only 73, and we have a flash flood warning. Yeah, don't. they made what's called the um, stupid human law over here, and it really is. If you're dumb enough to go into the washes over here when it floods out and there's big barriers and signs that said don't go in it, <laughs> you go in anyway, and then someone has to come save you and spend 10000 of the taxpayer's dollars, guess who gets the bill? You do. Stupid human law or something like that, seriously. <laughs> they made it about, I don't know, 15 or so years ago. Costs a lot of money to come rescue you when you're not being smart. All right, let's see here. What else is going on? You know what else is going on? We have an amazing show today. I'm super excited. We get Dr. Josh. Uh, 
uh, we're going to read a little bit about Josh and have him on right away so he can talk to you all about uh, the importance of testing your medicine and knowing what's in there and what's not supposed to be in there that might be in there. Yeah. We've all had, you know, challenges. I know with, you know, you, you go get some, some flour, some dry, some dry buds and you come home and you break it open and there's, there's like a proof of smoke or yeah, it looks like it dust or something, or you see little things in there. You're not supposed to see. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, well, Josh began his career in chemistry at Eastern Washington University, where he earned his Bachelor of Science in Chemistry degree um, in Physics and Biology in 2012. His quest for a deeper understanding of the science led him to be accepted into the joint doctoral program at the University of California, San Diego, and San Diego State University, where he earned his master's degree in analytical chemistry uh, in 2015 and his PhD in 2017. Throughout his college career, Josh became interested in the medicinal benefits of cannabis and the lack of analytical research and public understanding associated with it. He wanted to change this, and with his knowledge and passion for the industry, Josh founded the lab with fellow chemist uh, Dave Morales. Again, I hope I pronounced it right. In 2016, together they've made it Infinite Cal's mission to ensure safe quality products are allowed to hit dispensary shelves. And with no further ado, please welcome... Dr. Josh. Hey, thanks for having me today. Hi. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Good. Where are you? Are you calling in from California? I'm in uh, San Diego right now. Yeah. Nice. How's the weather? It's always beautiful in San Diego. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I stick around in this location. We have a we have a lab out in Jackson, Michigan as well, and uh, we're actually coming to Arizona soon. So I'm always around somewhere. Oh, nice. But I primarily are San Diego. Excellent. Okay, right on. Yeah, we need some more good labs over here. I know the uh, the uh, proposition has said that we have to have third party testing. So um, I'm hoping that that really happens. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and yeah, that's super important. So, uh, how did you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you you got into the whole cannabis thing? That's an interesting market, especially these days. Yeah, definitely. It's about uh, five and a half, six years ago. Me and uh, my colleague Dave were working on a project, uh, kind of nerd stuff, but more or less uh, developing reaction monitoring using a ion trap mass spectrometer to monitors reactions of uh, organics complexes and more or less we uh well, were yeah. chatting about what we wanted to do and uh we i was like I, i'm going to open an analytical chemistry lab and i think the cannabis sector needs real help because we I kept reading papers while i was in grad school about all these cannabis testing labs with variable results and I checked out who was running mm-hmm. them, and it wasn't always the best case. It was just someone in a garage that's never taken a chemistry class in their life running a, a analytical interpretation that they shouldn't probably touch <laughs> without a degree. Right. And they're giving results. Right. And well, it was kind of just a disarray of the community, and me and uh, Dave set it out on our mission. We took every dollar we had and opened a 1,200-square-foot facility, uh, <laughs> just two of us, Trying to knock on doors and tell people how important it is to test their cannabis and make it, you know, make sure it doesn't have pesticides in it so the consumer's safe. And that was definitely an uphill battle until regulations started in 2017, uh, 18 kinda. It was like a split. Yeah. And we uh, we ended up uh, growing this company from two guys in a 1,200 square foot to 4,400 square foot, addition of 2,500. 
and then moved into a 16,000 square foot facility in San Diego that we built out. Wow. And then uh, during that time, we actually opened an 8,000 square foot facility in Jackson, Michigan, where we're up wow. to about 100 employees now, and uh, we okay. uh, are continuing to grow in the cannabis and hemp field, definitely, and just always out here providing the accurate analytical results that people need. It's not always what people want, but it's what they need. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we, we yeah, have definitely... Exactly. Uh, Definitely fought with the the industry on making sure that products are safe for consumers. But then, what else are we here to do it for? It's profit. It's not profits over ethics. I mean, everyone should keep those things completely separate. Um, make sure people are getting safe, accurate results is kind of what we've we've always been about. And we've lost clients over the years, but the, a lot of them come back and understand the importance of what they're doing uh, to provide someone a safe product to consume. Well, it's 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 probably the most important part of the whole game when you are going to sell to consumers because mm-hmm. if you if you don't have tested products, then you may as well just you know go grab something out of the garbage can. <laughs> Seriously, <Yeah. laughs> um, might be safer. It, it's bad, you know. And, and <laughs> we we've seen you know um, we've had a couple lab companies from uh, Arizona on the show, so I'm I'm happy to have you guys on from California mm-hmm. and Michigan. Um, but, you know, we've heard, of, like you said, it may not be the test result you want, but, you know, there have been companies out here, I know, you know, for sure, um, that are changing their test results for people, you know, under yeah. the table kind of thing. Oh, you want this? Sure, for this amount of money, we'll do it. Um, other, you know, other than the fact that you guys are lab geeks, like you said, <laughs> what makes you better than um, the rest? What makes you different? Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of the, the principle or foundation of the company is consumer safety we're not here that's why we went to school for so long to become analytical chemists is this is our passion and we're not money driven people so we've been offered so much money before in the past to change results or give guaranteed results and we never will do it it's kind of it's kind of what you're here for so if you see these labs popping up and we've seen them all over i'm not going to throw you know looking at one person or anything but it's like oh it's financed by random people that have no no business being in the a chemist, chemistry lab. Those are always the ones right. that concern me. Um, those can normally get bought yeah. off because there's going to be pressure from investors and everything. And that's one of those things where an independently owned company by two guys that are truly actual chemists, and that's why we're here right. is to provide this. So we've we've never backed down to the threat of losing customers, and we let people leave, or or the threat of not gaining mm-hmm. a client because they want a certain result. And over the years, I mean, it's not an easy game. So that's one thing people no. need to realize about <laughs> opening a chemistry laboratory, especially a cannabis right. chemistry laboratory. I remember six, seven right. years ago, everyone gave a negative stereotype, like, oh, you're a cannabis chemist. And it's like you guys need to start thinking about it. as an analytical chemist, you go into a matrix or like a thing like cannabis. So a matrix would be a substance that you're analyzing for a specific analyte, like a THC or the pesticides. And we start saying, mm-hmm. okay, we do cannabis. Well, when we look at the cannabis industry, it's not just cannabis. We do plant, agricultural products, as in the cannabis flower. You do every food product under the sun, every lotion, and pharmaceutical type products. I mean, anything you can put THC on is now a cannabis product. So you're not really just an analytical mm-hmm. lab. They're doing one little product, like I test 
strawberries. No, you test strawberries in the cannabis industry and everything else under the sun. So that's one of those things why we came into this industry is it's not just one industry. You're really testing every type of product, so it's always changing and always uh, interesting and always challenging. So that's one of the things we always, as a lab, we've done is we've always taken on the challenge and said let's not just you know only test flour. You know, let's start SO or doing validations and validating all methods for all types of analytes and all types of matrices. And that's where this industry gets a little scary is when, you know, people have the impression that you just test cannabis, you can just test everything the same way. That's completely incorrect. You you, you will dig out the problems with not being able to see pesticides in a fruit product or a, a gummy-based product, let's say a vegan gummy-based product. But if you do mm. a different type of... Uh, flower you would see it by running the same method so there's a lot of things that people really need to understand it's not just uh, being an analytical chemist you should really be an analytical chemist to do the job and it's really just public safety i mean sometimes it's the the benefit of large corporations to have poor testing labs and that's one of those things we've seen in uh, california as well as michigan as well as other states that we're we're preparing to go into is there's always the, all the all the manufacturers have a list of labs that don't see a certain pesticide. So, let's say they mm. they created a distillate product and they see uh, they they they're failing for chlorofenapur. Well, they have a list of five labs in the state of California that can't see chlorofenapur. So they know who to go to, and that's one of those scary things out there. Is when they start. What is that? It sounds scary. Chlor- <laughs> chlorofenapur is a making my a skin pesticide. crawl. <laughs> Yeah, it's a pesticide only oh. supposed to be used on uh, organic or um, non-edible products. And uh, normally ornamental mm. flowers is where it's heavily used in California and probably in any kind of greenhouse in um, Arizona. Oh. It's not supposed to be consumed. So it's a known carcinogen. But in the Canada, so a lot of places uh, converted oh. their facilities from flowers, like actually flowers, to cannabis mm-hmm. flower uh, out here in California. Mm-hmm. And then the years of spraying these can- the, the pesticide around is just all over their, their operation Getting it out right. is extremely it's hard. There. So now you grow in the flower oh, okay. and it's going on to the plants. I mean, there's a lot of things like that. And then you have certain labs that won't see it, and then certain labs that will out here. And uh, it's just a little alarming uh, how far we're into this industry in the state of California or even across the U.S. And I hope a lot of places are learning, as in the, the states are learning from others' mistakes. Um, we should be a lot better at, uh, as an industry, not my company, <laughs> but yeah. as an industry to be able no, to get consistent sure. results. Well, yeah. but you've said you know, quite often in your conversation you're not about the profit, you're about, about the people. But a lot, you know, we've been in this almost 10 years now, and uh, we, we've been disheartened by the amount that for, it's about the profit more than it is profit. about anything else. Like you said, you've been offered a lot of money, I'm sure, <laughs> to change <laughs> test results and give them the things they want to see so they can pass it on to the consumer. But, you know, that you, you have a responsibility um, to uh, present the truth and represent the truth. And, you know, it's, it's scary out there when people are letting um, people consume things like that big old crazy chemical that's used for uh, – mm-hmm. Flowers, and I'm sure you know there are people. Maybe it's in their facility, but they might be like, "Oh, hey, no one's looking. Let's spray it." You know, yeah. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> well, it's to really effective. Yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, that's, that's um, what the interesting thing over the years you'll see is like uh, even the the states normally when they open for uh, testing cannabis, the, the the pesticide concentration is through the roof on all these things or contaminant problems, and then the industry kind of fixes itself. 
or not fix itself, mm-hmm. it's forced to fix. And you start seeing better product being produced. And that's why I say, like, yeah. I hope the states are learning from it. You know, don't start with using mm-hmm. the pesticides. You know what I mean? You you, you start yeah. with making sure you have a clean product, making sure your lab's doing the job. And that's kind of the consumer's responsibility as well as the manufacturer or producer. It's like you want to make sure you're you're using a lab that's out there to give you the right answer, not to give you what you want. Because um, that, that's honestly how, yeah, how exactly. easy it is to run a lab if you keep telling everyone what they want to hear. No one's going to call you and say, hey, I, this is not correct, or hey, I, I know I don't have <laughs> pesticides, but I didn't spray it. It's a lot easier if your phone never yeah. rings and you're just giving someone what they want. So that's one thing we, we've yeah. always done is we, we're, we're, we're great at working with consumers, any, any home growers or anyone else. We don't charge for consulting fees, and we never have because we believe we are the scientists of this industry or we are the chemists, and we can point out where you're having problems. Or I don't know how many times we've seen over the years of a product, someone's making like an edible product, and they're failing because the stuff they're using is not allowed in the cannabis industry, but it's allowed in the food industry. So case mm-hmm. in point, things like just uh, flavorings. Flavorings have high amount of alcohol or they'll have pesticides in them, and that um. you can't use them in the cannabis industry. So someone will make their product, and they spike on a flavoring at the very end after they have clean uh, distillate or THC material. And then they fail because they, they use the food product. They're not allowed in the cannabis industry. So it's a very interesting dynamic that you can allow, we allow them in the food industry but not the cannabis or different different uh, action levels, so concentrations. I know so California <laughs> has its oh no, it's great. California has its own guide to what they will and will not allow into into food products. Because I know in yeah, Arizona, so so like there's three do. things you can't put in your kitchen <laughs> if you're going to make it at home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, kind of a weird so all the thing. states have different yeah. regulations set up by the EPA yeah. for different products. So everyone has, mm-hmm. and it could be a national regulation or it could be a statewide. So states normally can mm-hmm. supersede uh, ex- or like kind of a limit. So this, this, I'm giving you making something up. Uh, one part per million can be allowed in um, like okay. a, a, a certain product of a pesticide. But then in, a, in California, they might supersede it and say only 0.1 of that product is allowed or the analyte that we're mm-hmm. talking about. So that's kind of where it is. And the cannabis industry in most states have superseded what we expect in food. So, like, if you're if you're truly getting the product tested and everything, it, a lot of times it's safer to consume than the stuff you'd go buy at a, a Vons, an agricultural yeah. product. Yeah, for sure. You you've got a huge list if you go to the uh, your analytical services. You test for everything. It looks like <laughs> even gender so that's identification. That's one thing we, we like, try to stay ahead really? of. <laughs> Can you say that now in cannabis plants? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One thing we try to stay ahead of is the curve. So that's one thing we always yeah. do is we're out there looking for for the new things. And I mean, so hemp's a very interesting market, and, and yes, cannabis is also here. like the amount of pesticides being offered. So Utah, Utah, and Colorado right now are the first ones really to get going on fully testing hemp product, and and the list of pesticides and in. in uh, Colorado is like 67, and in August it goes to 100, and then they're talking about going to like 200 next year. So we're really going to start screening this stuff for all the possible contaminants. And that, I mean, that that gets a lot very challenging and taxing on a laboratory. But at the same time, what are we Mm -hmm. doing? We're making sure the product that we're selling the consumers and saying is safe and can help them for whatever medical ailment they're using it for is safe for them to consume. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, that's yeah, and that's just it. And they're consuming it in so many different ways that, um, you know, there's patches and lotions. And mm-hmm. do you test for all of those? So if someone comes in with a box of the products and all random kinds is here, 
<laughs> so so the days have changed definitely, but that's one thing what, what we prided ourselves on is always throughout the years we've always taken the challenge to develop a, a method, internal method to make sure we're doing it correctly for each type of product. So we have yeah. I mean even for potency analysis or cannabinoid analysis, we have forty different COA or SOPs, excuse me, or standard operating protocol. So if we get a different thing in, everything's treated in its own way, and we validated these different methods and made sure that we're doing things correctly, so we can provide the accurate results. Because you can't test a flower product as the same way you test a lotion. So as far as the analytical chemistry right. side lab goes, so yeah, we we've definitely done it. I mean, we've seen everything from someone one. The funniest thing I thought someone brought in once was a barbe like an actual rotisserie barbecue chicken and they infused it with THC and he's like will you test this I'm like this is my limit sir I will not do this I'm not even going into that there's so many possibility for error but then we had someone bring wow. it once. <laughs> nice. It's, it's been, <laughs> yeah, you're it's been like, I'll test it. Hang on. Give me and my crew about 10 minutes. We'll have it set up. <laughs> Call us in an hour. We'll tell you if it works. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Bar- you missed on barbecue chicken and pizza? Come on, Josh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's your next yeah. lab. Just for Yeah, you. I know. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's where it's going. I mean, it's already there. California's yeah. been doing this for a lot since 96. You guys have had dispensaries mm-hmm. open, but you've been, you know, doing it for a very long time. Um how are you guys as far as uh, competing with prices? I know um, I, I I kind of feel like in Arizona the the pr- testing prices are, are kind of high. You know, if you just if you're just a patient and you were like, oh, this is kind of sketchy, and I want to go see what's in it, it's kind of expensive. Yeah, so I wish that wasn't the case, but so I I I love this kind of question because the problem is as far as pricing is is when you're running an analytical chemistry lab, who do I have to employ? I have to employ PhD chemists and people with hard degrees. That's mm-hmm. very expensive. We have to buy things like yes. solvents and things like that, which are also very expensive. And then you have to take a lot of people's time to do this. So so between the labor costs, which is the most expensive thing that a chemistry laboratory will have, and the right. solvents and everything else, the price of just doing this is extremely expensive. The margins are not as great as they think. So that's one of those things you'll see these labs opening up and then shutting down. It's because people, there's not a yeah. big margin on this. Even though it seems like a high price, the amount of, the, yeah. amount of work that goes into testing these correctly yeah. is, is expensive. Right. I mean, this is one thing we've always done too as a, a lab is we always try to help the people out. We, if we, like we have a consumer that's growing the product or someone that got sick from a product, we'll always try to help out the best we can and give the best discount. And really, I mean, a lot of times we'll, we'll maybe break even at best when we're dealing with people like that are home growing or trying to trying to solve mm-hmm. something or they they got sick from a product. I mean, that we, we, we are out here doing the doing what we can. As far as other pricing, when, when we're talking about structure on big compliance testing for large facilities, I mean, they're, they're testing things like 50 yeah. pounds at a time and they're paying $500. Right. When you go look at that, they're selling, you know, a thousand, couple thousand eights, you know what I mean, and that and that's yeah. you go to price per test, you're less than five cents. So when you yeah. look at it that way, uh, and I understand your, yeah. your perspective on the the individual, and that's why we'll always work with everyone we can to get them the best price. But at the same time, we have to keep our lights on too. <laughs> oh, amen. I hear you on that one. <laughs> okay, so some questions for you. Let's see. It's almost eight thirty. We got time. Um, 
what is it like what are the craziest things you've seen come into the plants like just even to like the, the flower itself what kind of crazy stuff is coming in pesticides heavy metals bugs yeah, so we've seen, uh, I mean, every type of pesticide in from from uh, cannabis flower to to ex, to ex uh, to uh, extract. So we used to see it was very interesting in the state of California. I would say in 2016, I would say that 95% of the distillate would fail for uh, pesticide analysis. Mm. That was wow. the biggest concern. When we wow. used to get product with 50 different pesticides at extremely high levels. It was pretty much just a oh. soup of mixing of all the most dangerous pesticides you can consume. Um, this has changed dramatically in the state, but this is what that's what we used wow. to see, and that that's the scary part. Is I always think back, you know, when people were a non-regulated cannabis industry, the the rel or like the prevalence of people's their pesticides and other contaminants that could potentially be harmful to someone's health was extremely high. And then we never really looked and we never realized it because it was at, you know, schedule one drug and it was being sold out of the street. But when you think about it, it, it makes sense almost because until people, if someone's going to lose a, a product, right, especially before regulation or anything, and it was someone maybe that wasn't doing the right thing, uh, they were all about profits and money. Um, they, they would just, I, I, I talked to someone that used to grow that said he used to have 55-gallon drums of microbutanol, and he would dip his plants in there. He would turn them upside down, dip them oh. in there, and take them out. So he would what never get, they would never lose a plant. Uh, microbutanol is a pesticide used, and uh, possibly creates uh, when you when you do um, when you smoke it, you can create a cyanide, hydrant cyanide coming off of it. There's a cyanide group on the side, and that's a good probability. Um, so it's, it's, it's extremely you dangerous. Dip your plant in this. Yeah, it's a, it's a pesticide. So he would see like a bug on one of his plants, and he would go dip all his, all his plants in it. I mean, this is a long. Oh, he said this years and years ago. So that's one of those things that you think back mm. to to industry before it was regulated. Oh, what was God. really happening? And it's yeah. it's a little scary and a little alarming. Oh, very much so. I'm sure it's still happening. And I I just I <laughs> I grow, so I can't imagine like I don't even like to like spray them with water because I'm like no, they need to be gentle. Dipping him in something like that—that's insane. I can't imagine I mean, that. that. That's, yeah. <laughs> and then but I when mean, you're talking that's one of those... about, you know, yeah. well, you're talking about this guy's crop. He's probably making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars off this. <laughs> one bug could destroy your whole crop. You know. Yeah. So and that's the thing. It's the amount of money. It's it's a little it, the pesticide stuff when growing. I mean, you see crops that are millions of dollars, and if they, it, you know, they're they're stuck on what to do and. That's the great thing is what I think a lot of a lot of companies I I give, I give them you know high five on what they've achieved and they're 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 actually looking into what they can do other than using those pesticides and they're getting alternate ways that are safe for the consumers if they do get a pesticide contamination what they can do and they, they've gotten very successful from moving away from the dangerous things that shouldn't be used and but then at the yeah. same time there are people out there that are not doing the right thing and that's why I think states are coming online and and regulating it's one thing to look at. And make sure that we're we're doing this testing correctly as a, a analytical community and and having um not allowing this lab shopping type of type of deal going on by the clients. Yeah. Well they need to unleash the ladybugs. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Need like a massive swarm. Um wow, that's I've never heard of anybody doing that. That's real scary to <laughs> to hear. Um so what uh what kind of uh speaking of bugs 
what kind of crazy bugs have you found in, in the in the plants? <laughs> uh, yeah, we we've seen everything from all from fleas to mites to every type of bugs we've seen. I've seen trim just literally ridden. It looks like more bugs in it than the trim itself. I mean, this is some years wow. back, but it, a lot of that's cleaned up. But it's getting a little scary. I mean, we used to find a lot of crazy stuff in in plants, like just random gloves or random products <laughs> or like hair and. We found the we found a uh. dead mouse once in a bag. Oh. I mean, there's been a, a lot of different stuff, and that's just stuff they were going to oh use for God. extraction. So it would probably make it through the extraction part. Oh my lord! Yeah, if they're sending it to get tested, that's crazy. <laughs> Unless they're testing you. <laughs> Let's see if they find the mouse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that's that that in and of itself is just that's disturbing. Um, so what do people? What do you have like um? a good, better, best kind of a program where you can test for these, you know, if you only have this amount, you can test for this, or people just, do you have one type of test that does all of this, the cannabinoids, the terpene, the pesticides, the heavy metals, residuals, all that? Yeah, we we have different tests. Uh, we can do a la carte testing for people, for consumer products, and and then we also have the full compliance gambit. So each state has a little bit different regulations, mm. and we can always uh, test for different states. At each location because we've actually validated methods for all of them at each location and uh, we we can kind of do the good better best type thing is just making sure you're looking at it so like that's the big thing to the consumer is i think in in the states you got it needs to be public record and that, that's one thing we struggle with in all the states i think is when you go into a store even a medical marijuana store and you're buying a product off a shelf do you get to see what's in that the it's called the coa or certificate analysis do you get to see what's on it i mean i've never been to a shop that'll provide those to the customers so we got mm-hmm. always got to remember a couple of things when we're talking about contaminants there's something called action levels or kind of like a fail level what if you have a negative effective to a pyrethrins or you don't want to consume that well there's still an allowable level of pyrethrins in all the states so we say okay well should should you should you be able to actively look at the coa and that's why i applaud a lot of the the um manufacturers when they're when they're giving an open source to those coas but most of the time when you go to the dispensary all you see is a potency number and that's it mm-hmm. right yeah. So, yep. and that's one of those things that that that's a, gets a little alarming too. And I think uh, potency numbers don't don't depict what people are really going to be therapeutic effects of of the of the cannabis product. And so, what I mean by that is we've seen lab shopping run rampant in all the states, as in there's a lot, you know. 15 20% THC you know 5 years ago was decent and stores were dispensaries were allowing any any of that product to go in there in the state of California I'll tell you this years ago it changed to 20% minimum on THC and then it changed to 25 and then it changed to 30 now um and oh. I can tell you this the product hasn't changed <laughs> it's just the testing right. results so some less testing result will give you a higher result so I mean uh, any kind of consumer mm. I would say don't, don't always just to look at those testing results or even what the someone, someone's labeling the product and say hey this is 35% THC it must be better than the one that says 20 but that's not the case or you're not going to I don't believe it'll work out that way um, that's one of those things I would really look at when you're looking at these cannabis products. Look to see, ask the ask the manufacturer if you have to send an email 
or ask the uh, dispensary for the COA. They should be able to provide that to you. And you can take a look at it. And if you ever have any questions about wh- how to read a COA as a consumer, you're more than welcome to come to one of our websites. It's infinitecal.com. It's infinitecal.com, and we have different uh, areas. We'll talk about how to how to read a COA. And if you, you're even more confused than just by all that, Give us a call. We're always glad to help. We're glad to help out the community as in the consumers as well as the the people who we mostly don't conserve consumers, but we're glad to jump on the phone and explain these things to anyone and explain how to how to do this. We have a great staff here at Infinite Chemical Analysis Labs that ranges from PhDs to bachelors to, to people that have been avid uh, consumers their whole life and are great at connecting the dots and uh, helping people out to understand what they should be looking for and looking at. That's awesome because um, you're right. Not a lot of people provide those, and we've we've had uh, several companies provide their COAs for the uh, CBD and hemp products that we have. But that's my my question is always how do we read these things? Because everybody's forms are different, and then how do you know that you're you're getting a form that's legit <laughs> that has been changed yeah. to say like, hey, hey, we're going to send a COA, and you should show everyone yeah. because it says this, this, and this, and we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, how so that's do we know one thing you should look for is traceability. So, like, everyone may creating a COA or certificate analysis should have some kind of traceability. So, what we provide on every COA is a QR code. And these days, everyone has a cell phone. Take a picture of the QR code and click the little button, and it brings you the website. It actually brings you a secure site that you'd see a digital copy of a secured COA. And if you had a paper one, you can look up and down and say, hey, why is this different? And then you know it's a fake COA. Um, we have that always provided on every COA that we give to all out, even R&D or QA analysis, or to the com- full compliance analysis from the states. So that's one thing you should look for. A lot of the a lot of labs do that now, but I think that's really important. The other things I mean that we've seen COAs where it just literally looks like someone took a crayon and wrote over it and then handed it to someone else, and they're like, "Oh, this is the right answer." Yeah. So look for legitimacy. I mean, honestly, you can tell normally. Right. Yeah, the, the last thing to really look for is when they change these COAs. They normally don't look at the fonts. So like I've seen, like it'll say mm. potency and all the you know the fonts correct and looks normal, and then you'll see the number and it becomes a big big uh, big number like size and then a different font. Those yeah. are easy easy markings to see fake uh, some kind of altered COA. But the biggest thing is going right. back to the to the website or asking the producer Facing or the laboratory. The... Yeah. Right. Excellent. Um, I see on your website here you're doing vitamin E acetate testing. What is yeah. that for? So vitamin E acetate, is that you for all the vape pens that when came that up? Went yeah. The, yeah, okay. With a, yeah. So vitamin E so acetate, what, I remember well, four or five years ago, we, we started seeing yeah. vitamin E acetate in the state of California, and we uh, we started seeing people cutting the, using it as a cutting agent. So the why people are using vitamin E mm. acetate is the distillate viscosity or how thick it is is extremely mm-hmm. thick, and vitamin acetate is very similar. So if you put the two next to each other, you couldn't really tell. The one looked mm-hmm. they look kind of very similar, and if you mix them together, you couldn't tell. So what people were doing was diluting the the oh. the, the distillate right. down with that. So yeah. they you know take one liter and create two liters. Now they can sell for you know twice as much. And uh, mm-hmm. th- that that's what caused that vaping mm-hmm. vape crisis back a few years ago, and it quickly went away because I think a lot of people didn't realize what they were doing to the consumer, and that's one thing I, I <laughs> no. always 
always people need to think about in the, in this is we're, we're we're smoking chemicals here. So people always have ideas. Yeah. I want to do this or I want to do that or I want to change a method. It's even like the Delta Eight uh, thing going on now. It's people should realize like we should not just rush into things and and create something in the garage yeah. and start selling it to the mass consumers because you don't ever know what you did. This is chemistry that you guys are everyone's doing, and uh, mm-hmm. you don't always get the desired reaction or desired product of what what when you start these chemical reactions. And that's one of those things in pharmaceutical industry. You can even have a, uh, isomers that like one will kill you and one will be one will treat your uh, ailment. So and that right. those things uh, can be re- same re- mix mixtures. So fifty fifty mixtures of these things, and you don't realize it. And then there's no process that cleans it up. So it's one of those things I would be very cautious about jumping on the new wave of something as a consumer. Mm-hmm. Make sure there's some founded yeah. science behind it and people are doing it correctly. Because, I mean, there are people always doing it correctly, but a lot of the time there's a lot of people in there for that's that profit. That are not, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, and it was strange how quickly, um, kind of seemed like on an underground way, the, the vitamin E acetate started getting used and then how quickly everyone was getting sick and then how quickly it stopped. <laughs> it was like, I know it yeah. went on for a little while, but it seemed to come in real fast. Everyone got sick, and then it went away. So hopefully it's still going away, and they're not using that as a cutter. Yeah, I mean, if, from what we from what we surveyed, we even went back and ran a lot of compliance samples and looked into if we if we could see it in them. And it seemed like what what was happening. It's all the under under market underground market stuff still being out there. It was just, it was the people buying. You know, distillate, making four liters out of five, filling the vape pens and selling them underground. That's what was happening, I believe. And it, mm. it seemed like it was away from this. I mean, if you look at the prevalent cases, they seemed like it was the East Coast, and with all of it was still uh, legal back then. So it seems like the it stayed away almost from more from the legal states because people had the mm-hmm. option to buy the uh, buy the legal cannabis, and that necessarily wasn't the mm-hmm. the stuff that had the vitamin E acetate. We actually didn't screen anything and find it. Yeah, that 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 was a crazy little wave of badness that happened <laughs> with that one. Um, let me ask you this: Can you test like if someone brings in the leaf of a plant and says, "Can here, what is this? What's in it? Is it good?" <laughs> so even a leaf of a growing plant. You can do a few tests, and there's a few studies that we worked on in, in the past where you can start looking at the ratio of CBDA and CBGA and THCA. That's like the starting um, the starting cannabinoids when you're growing a plant, and you can determine how the plant will grow out. I mean, we, we from a leaf, we could tell you the sex of the plant. We could tell you if it has pesticides on it still or not. We could tell you, I mean, with the research internally that you'd have to do yourself is not public, uh, seeing uh, what your plant would end up at. So we've we've had customers that will test uh, their their starting plants and see, uh, you know, batches of them are are not a good ratio of the CBGA and CBG and uh, THCA, and they'll they'll actually move away from that plant and go to a different one. So you can actually tell a lot from a plant. It's sometimes a lot of work because this is really science that we're doing. Yeah. So you can actually tell like the levels of the. The, the different cannabinoids that it's going to eventually, you know, bloom out into? So you can tell, yeah, they, it can help you tell a few things about a plant, like what your final 
THC product will be or something will be yielding mm. more THC or you'll figure out the ratios. You can kind of you can look at the ratio of these cannabinoids and kind of get a good picture of it. It isn't, isn't proven work, and we've worked with a few people doing this because we don't do this ourselves because we don't grow cannabis or anything like that, so we don't have that access to it. But we're always excited as Infinite Chemical Analysis Labs to do these types of projects for people. We love science and this kind of stuff. So if anyone ever wants yeah. to work on those things, we're gladly to help out and gladly to put a spin or look at the data with people. I mean, we're all nerds at heart at this company, and we we shouldn't veer off on the stuff always, but we end up veering off and doing the science stuff because we really, truly enjoy it. That's really awesome. Um, so Yeah, and especially for the hemp testing, it has to be what the pen or less. What is the lowest amount of THC come across in a plant? See, I mean, so this is that, that's that's a great question. It brings into uh, the hemp industry kind of a problem that we've seen in the past. Is every everyone the the, the lowest value is going to be determined by the laboratory. So we have something called an LOD and an LOQ. One's the limit of quantification where we know for a fact what it is. So a lot of times people will start writing on these things THC free, right? But you can go to a right. laboratory that has a high le- limit of quantification. So like. But I'm just going to make up a number here. Let's say their limit is 0.2, and it needs to be below 0.3 to be sold legally. But if you write THC-free on it and it was 0.19, that's below 0.2, mm-hmm. so the lab's going to say it's non-detectable. You still have THC mm-hmm. in it. So then people were consuming yeah. these products with low amounts of THC, and then they would fail their urine analysis test at their job because they believed mm-hmm. they wouldn't have it. So that's one of those things right. you really want to watch out for is calling things THC-free. So as far as a lab standpoint, you're only as good as your analysis is to call something free. So if we look at this, in all the hemp product, there, there's always a small amount of THC, unless you're talking about the isolate. Right. Isolate normally is going to have no THC, but when you're talking about the full spectrum the CBD yeah. product, you're always going to have some THC in it because that's what the plant's producing. Right, absolutely. Um, yeah, and that's that's the hard thing that, you know, if you go over that. So are people testing like, few weeks before their their crops are ready, they come in and make sure that they're not testing Mm -hmm. hot in these things. Yeah. So as far as the crop, every state's regulated is slightly different, and it's all changing every day now. But we've Mm -hmm. worked in this industry for a while, and they would have a – after the analysis was conducted, let's say they came back and they had a .1, they would have 10 days to get the crop in California to to pick it, or they would have to do a test again. Then they would have so many days to to crop it Um. after that. So it's kind of a proven uh-huh. standpoint. But then at the same time, if they tested at 0.4 or 0.5% THC, then the crop would yeah. be destroyed. So it's this game of a, a hemp farmer that you don't want it to go too long because at some time, more than likely, your hemp product will create higher than a 0.3% THC if you let it grow long enough. Right. Wow. That, and they literally, in California, they they destroy it there? Yeah, most states actually do this. Um, Kentucky even... They'll, they'll, they burn the fields. Yeah, really. It's kind of a. It's a sad. I, I think it's sad and it's not. That's not maybe beyond the best sad. I'm going to cry opinion. right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's why don't the they just do like it. go? Oops! So oh, we're doing cannabis now. It's cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the problem is then you're not Can't a, the you're not a regulated cannabis industry. Yeah. <laughs> someone, yeah. yeah, someone should oh, buy it. Oh, man. Or they should be able they to extract should. it. The problem is the rules are, the regulations and rules are not really caught up to the industry yet. So, I mean, no. even manufacturing of CBD products are, are the gray area because 
technically yeah. you're supposed to have over 0.3%, but if you make a extract out of it, then it is above 0.3%. And what, what's that gray area really telling you? Are you allowed to call yeah. that a hemp product still? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's oh, it's crazy. It'll. I'm hoping it'll level out. You know, the next we always we keep saying in the next ten to twenty years. <laughs> um, but seriously, we're hoping you know at some point soon it'll be like, oh, just grow it. You know. <laughs> and yeah. I know because I know some people are trying to get that point three change to like at least one percent for the leeway of yeah. you know the plant's sake. Like like you're saying, you let it grow longer, your THC levels are gonna are gonna rise. Um, okay, on that question, what's the what's the most the highest percentage of THC you've seen come out of a plant? Uh, for just pure plant, for CBD or in general or cannabis? So uh, cannabis, I, I guess I'll go highest... all of them. So so for hemp yeah. product, we've seen stuff with ten percent THC, and it was someone had a pure like CBD hemp. Or CBD THC mixed mm-hmm. plant, we've seen 10%. For for true cannabis material, we've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I say this, I mean we're talking about the stuff we go to or uh, do sampling on. We've seen up to mm-hmm. 32%, 33%. Oh wow. THCA or total THC we define it as. Yeah. Um, we've seen that. And that's very rare, and it's going to be indoor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can mm-hmm. look at it and you would be like, wow, this is some good-looking pot. <laughs> it looks very <laughs> different than the stuff you look at that's grown outdoors. You can tell someone put yeah. a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort into yeah. growing this stuff. And But yeah. you do see it up that high. It's not as uh, it's not as common as people might be led to believe. But there, there are specific mm-hmm. strains that... You know, uh, people have grown. You got to remember, people have been doing science in their basements, growing these plants for so long, and and diversifying yep. the genetics of these plants to to grow, um, to to evolve the plant to grow high amounts of THC. So it's a it's a very interesting thing that how how the genetics of these plants have changed so rapidly just because of the the underground breeding of them. But you can see mm-hmm. some very high plants in the 30s, low 30s. Wow, that's yeah. wow. And then what about your high CBD levels? Because that's that's the, the phase now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we've seen with some uh, the hemp material, I've seen in the 20s, the high 20s of CBD oh. and very low THC. There's some great la- oh. great growing facilities out in Oregon and Colorado and California. I mean, all over. But I've seen the really start out there where they would have these hemp hemp facilities. Honestly, if I looked at the plant, it looks exactly like can- like a THC cannabis. It has crystals mm-hmm. formed on it, and it looks just like it. But you can't really tell the two apart. But unless you tested yeah. it and you saw, oh, wow, this is a very right. high CBD, low THC, where you can put another plant, the other cannabis plant that's high THC, low CBD, and you can put them, compare them to each other, and they look very similar. Hmm. Yeah, they do. Now, I mean, you know, yeah. from the old... PSAs, you see the long stalks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> People in the field. It's not that anymore. But yeah, yeah. no. So there's, there's, there's no. That, that's like an industrial hemp like that. You know, yeah, but when you go into that exactly. craft hemp industry where it's consumable hemp or consumable flower hemp, yeah. that, I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing how quickly they got this to look that good and, and change oh, the Oh, I know. It's so quick. It is mind-blowing. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> that's hemp? Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oh, I was going to ask something. It just went away. So for cannabinoid testing, um, you, you've got a whole list of the uh, cannabinoids here that you test for. So, you know, we're seeing, like, in the products that we have in our shop, we're seeing CBG, CBN. Um, 
what are the big ones you guys are seeing out there in California? Oh, and the Delta 8. <laughs> People are all over this whole Delta 8 thing. And now there's like Delta 7, Delta 10. We're going to get all around the THC night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that, that's one thing we always try to do, too, is uh, that that's what's interesting about the cannabis plant, is we always looked at these three, big, big three, you know, CBG, CB, THC, and CBD and in the beginning. And then when you look at these, the, the plant material especially, you, you see a gambit of it. There's the possibility of, of becoming other cannabinoids is, is pretty much very large. I think they're up to 180 or 200 different cannabinoids they've found now. Mm-hmm. So these things are very low level. So that's one thing we, we've worked on is we're, we're ISO accredited for 19 of them. Uh, ISO accreditation means we've validated mm. the methods and proven it that we can see 19 of them. So we're looking at 19. Realistically, we can do 21, but we're working on the accreditation and the pending. But we, we have everything from you know THCV to THCVA to THC, Delta 9 THC, Delta 8, Delta 10, uh, different isomers of Delta 10, uh, CBD, CBG, the CBT, I mean, there's all all these different cannabinoids that we can actually see. And that's one of those things with the Delta-8 stuff, is you start to see these uh, <clears throat> these mixtures of Delta-8 when it's not pro- maybe made properly of, you know, a hundred different peaks in these things, and you don't know what they are, so that's why I get very cautious with Delta-8 product. But there are some great people making a great product being made, producing Delta-8. That's all going to be regulated. Uh, Michigan, I sent on a press release, I believe, yesterday, talking about the regulation of Delta-8 and no more selling it in the gas stations and the non-cannabis stores. Yeah, there are quite a few states, I know New York as well, and a couple other states are saying nope. And it's yeah. odd because there's some states that are saying no, but they've got cannabis that's legal. So <laughs> kind of confusing, <laughs> isn't Isn't that part of the plan? <laughs> yeah. But I guess it's, it's gonna... the way they're extracting this stuff. Uh, so, so most Delta, if you if it's the extract or the vape pen type stuff, it's not made from extracting from a plant. It's made from CBD. So they t- take the hemp derived CBD and they 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 synthetically make uh, mm. Delta eight from it. I mean, people might argue with mm. me using the word synthetically. I'm using it in a chemistry standpoint where it should be used. Right. Um, you're right. starting with one thing and creating another another analyte. Mm-hmm. I mean, cannabinoid. So that's what you are doing. You're synthetically making it. Even though it's a close, similar structure, it's still synthetic chemistry. Um, and then that's where, if you look in the laws and regulations, that's illegal. Um, and it's pretty well defined, but people are, it's a gray area, and people are trying to figure it out and navigate it right now. And it's definitely an interesting place. Um, but I think the regulations will change rapidly on if it's a gray area or not very quickly. Yeah. I, well, it's, I hope someday that's soon that the states are just you know everything's kind of regulated in in the best possible way because every state is just like it really is the wild west in in everything in testing i mean we were our dispensaries were supposed to have been testing all along um and they were supposed to all get class four felonies if they didn't but none of not all of them are (laughs) so you know it's yeah the gray areas for for this whole industry are really great <laughs> yeah and then that's so sometimes i think the the problem with that is no that they didn't have any testing lab license and it's like the you know you put the, the carriage for the horse and you don't have anyone to test it but you have to test it how are you supposed to do it and it's, it becomes this exactly uh, cyclic thing of what do you do and i think a lot of people out there were trying to do their best to do everything they can and then it, it catches up and i think the regulation i know it's people hate it because it's regulation and the stereotype of it but 
I mean, honestly, every all it is is people trying to trying to help make sure that people are not getting ripped off or, or getting uh, harm done to them by consuming this product that's supposed to be safe for them to consume. Exactly, because they're paying good money for it, and it's their health. You you don't you know you don't go to the grocery store and find a bunch of shelves of expired products, hopefully, or products that aren't good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you come to yeah. trust what you go into the grocery store for these days, and and so you should with any dispensary you go to. You know, just as yeah. with the pharmacy, um, you should be able to trust what's coming out of there. Are you seeing some good products come out? I mean, we keep, we're now we're talking about all the bad stuff. Are you seeing some really good stuff out there? <laughs> we we yeah we we work with different manufacturers, so I don't promote any manufacturers. I'm a third party testing lab, and I would sit, I would, I would really any anyone owns a lab or runs a lab should not be promoting people's products because you're not that person. No one's out there promoting the, the carrots that you buy. Um, so I hope that people realize that. But we've seen great manufacturers out there creating great product and really running drills even before. Like testing regulations started, these people were making sure, screening everything they sold and making sure they're creating the correct product and labeling it correctly. And I commend all those manufacturers out there that hold that hard line to, to make sure they're, they're, they'll, they'll take that financial hit and say, hey, this is a bad product. We have to get rid of it or pull it off the shelf or not put it on the shelf. So there's some great manufacturers out there. Honestly, if you look into the, the product that you like, Look at look on their website. See if they're they're testing. See if they're independently testing their products. See if make sure they're batch testing as these things come along, and that there there's there's great companies out there that want to produce safe, good, enjoyable products for the consumers. And those are the ones I would I would I would say that the everyone should be using, and not necessarily the ones that are in it for the money. Yeah, exactly. Do you have a uh, stamp of approval or something like that where people can go, oh, this is getting tested by Infinite? Out, you know, like. so, so we 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 have a few manufacturers out there that use it. we we let them use our logo on the product, uh, but for the most part, most people can see because manufacturers will post COAs or certificate analysis on their websites for their for their different products, and when you look on their website, you'll see a COA pop up, and a lot of them will say Infinite Chemical Analysis Labs. And that's one thing the consumer should always look at is try to look at those COAs, try to figure them out. If you need help, definitely come to our website or come give us a call. We're glad to help. And uh, to make sure you, you start getting a trusted laboratory, I mean, it's sad that we have to have that in this industry, but until the, the Wild West calms down a little bit with testing laboratories, I <laughs> think uh, making sure that you, you have a trusted lab as well as a trusted uh, source for any of your cannabis or hemp uh, needs. Absolutely. Well, tell everybody how they can get contact. They can contact you. I didn't realize we. I've got like two minutes left of the show. We should be yeah, here yeah. all day. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I, so I, tell I, everybody. I enjoy talking about this stuff. It's a very. It's a passion yeah. of mine. It's awesome. So I love the, it. The best way to contact us if you ever need to wanted to find out any information about our lab or what we're doing or where we're going or any any type of write ups we do. Infinite Chemical or InfiniteCal.com. That's InfiniteCal.com. Or if you have a question, you can always email questions at infinitecal.com. We're always glad to help, and you can find that on the website. And we're always glad to jump on a phone call or answer any kind of email or questions that you guys have for us. Awesome. Thank you, uh, Josh, so much for being on air with us today. We look forward to it. And we're so glad that you're doing the testing because it's the most important part of the, the process is to get safe, quality products on the shelves that people can trust and know that they're getting the good stuff. So we really appreciate what you do. And we love your yeah. passion for it. It's fantastic. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it was great. definitely yeah. a great time talking with you and the, your viewers. 
congratulations on your team. And when you get to Arizona, let us know. You'll have to come by our health center and see our new shop that we're opening soon. So you have to come check it out. I definitely will. In a few months, I'll be over there. <laughs> oh, sweet. All right. Well, we'll see you soon. All right. Have a good All right. one. Take Bye. care, Josh. You too. Thank you. All right. Josh from Infinite Chemical Analysis Labs. Check them out. San Diego and Michigan. Um, awesome. I cannot believe that we are already of the show. So let me see how I do this. Let's see if this works. Oh, does that work? Anyway, I hope you're hearing the theme, theme show right now because that's what's happening. <laughs> ending the show. Thank you, Josh, for calling up. Come on, Arizona. We've got some more great guests. All right. Thank you, Silver Sister, Grand Island, and everyone over there for tuning in each and every week. We love you. Hi, Tuna. 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 All right. Have an awesome week. Stay Wednesday, folks. We love you. Be smart. Be safe. And educate. Happy Wednesday, Wednesday, y'all. See you next week. Enjoy the rain. Woohoo!